recording. I'm starting recording. Cool. I am also oh. recording. Good. No, we need more recording. Everybody's recording. I won't record. There we go. No, you should also record. We need we need three. Anyway, what are those? Um, they I don't actually know the brand. I got them for literally one euro because I was buying another pair of glasses. So like I paid more money for the glasses than I think look worse. Because I mean, like when you compare this, like I look like a human in in this, but I can change over very quickly to like C tier drug smuggler, I think. Just by 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 switching over to this. I, I, I think that's beautiful, you know. It does turn everything kind of a greenish. Thank you. So <laughs> there is that. I think you look like you look like next stage, Henry. It has Good. some cop energy to it though. Mm. The kind of guy you a state trooper, maybe state trooper, and he's gonna he's gonna pull you over and he's say he's gonna say, Okay, you just sit right here. I'm gonna take a look at this, I'll be right back. You say that, but like just that. wait one second while I show you my old sunglasses, which I also conveniently actually randomly have on my desk, which have profound fucking state trooper energy, I think. Oh, that's say. even worse. Or uh, better. Uh, well, the- here's a question. Yes. In the way that leftists, in particular leftist men, I mean, there's a certain look that's very, like, you know, union member from 1965 kind of aesthetic, like, is appropriating cop aesthetic, like, in in certain ways? I, I feel like Rob Halford and a bunch of other, like, gay guys did that in, like, the 1980s. Like, yeah, I, with I the mustache like and the aviators. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's been a thing, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like cop aesthetic is, is a thing which you could go all in on, like, the tactical everything, wearing a plate carrier to go to the grocery store. And I, I feel like that's a different signifier. And the- I don't um... even know if they, there's, like, a, an aesthetic to it now. It's, like, wearing the Blue Lives Matter flag. <laughs> yeah the aesthetic just is like words on a t-shirt yeah it's there's hard also to, yeah it's hard to reclaim that something i've noticed because i'm in the suburbs right now is that everybody likes to show their support for police with blue porch lights oh yeah the blue porch light is no. a very funny thing <laughs> so like people have no. i mean they'll fly the flag and everything and you might have a trump flag in the mix but the blue porch light or garage light is a thing and like another one that people do is they'll put green lights up uh to show support for the troops so i think like (laughs) if you're down with black lives matter and like like at at all like anti-cop in any way like people should be putting up black lights you absolutely look like a cosmic bowling alley in your front yard yeah I'm, I'm sorry, I, I thought that green lights outside your house had an entirely different significance, namely that you sold weed. Is that a thing? That's a thing? That's a thing I was always told, like, as a kid. I don't know. I think probably now that, like, Blue Lives Matter and, like, supporting the troops is such, like, a thing, it probably just, like, can't and doesn't mean that. I guess, like, dispensaries still put green lights up. Yeah, and like name themselves the green light and shit too. The blue there's light like green light there. districts though, in like Amsterdam, isn't there? No, those are red light districts. You're just colorblind. Oh no, no, but you can't. You can buy weed in Amsterdam in addition to prostitutes. 
the the blue light thing is weirding me out though. Cause, like that's giving me like such strong Kmart vibes though. Cause like Kmart had those like blue light specials when I was like ten, and I I feel like I guarantee yeah the the three people that listen to this podcast haven't been in a Kmart since two thousand eleven. <laughs> you <laughs> two being that. from one of the last towns where there's a Kmart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a cultural reference you can make. <laughs> Yeah, true, the yeah. blue light is that's very like very get out, like very yeah, horrible. Yeah, like the light is both that and the meaning of it. Like, can you imagine being a neighborhood, some suburban neighborhood that already feels kind of threatening, and then it's got like all it's these like blue light, like blue lives shit. matter, yeah. blue lights. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, what's it like, Alex? What's that? And what's it like? Do you see that many of them? I just see it. Yeah, I see like it's not like every single house, like, but I mean, there's like, you know, you kind of like drive by at night because I was like driving around at 2 30 in the morning back from a party. Uh, and I was seeing a lot of them and I was just like, wow, the people who live there are losers. Like, those people suck. That's kind of like the first thing my, my mind goes to is like, that person's a loser because yeah. they have the blue lives matter light. <laughs> Maybe they're, are, are you sure they're not like just like massively into like random Edgar Wright movie, The World's End, which came out in like 2012? I, 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 feel I like... am because I don't understand that reference at all. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I don't that's know fair. who Edgar Wright We don't Wright get is. it, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so weird though. Like going yeah. the full light route though. What's, what's next? Are they going to like start like painting up their sidewalks like fraternities with like back the blue like painted on their sidewalk like 50 times or it would be a really weird phenomenon and i don't know how to unpack it if they were to like they were to vandalize someplace with a back the blue or like graffiti blue lives matter flag <laughs> on the side of a building because those are the people who are like really upset at, at a chick-fil-a burning down right yeah but like they, them going in there and putting the blue lives matter flag in illegal places <laughs> be interesting yeah speaking of like insane shit to put on your property um do you guys know about that one like pawn shop or other store in dillon montana that has made the news a few times for having just this like i i i don't know how to fully put it into words but the best words are uh ground to roof like pro QAnon like murals and shit no like this exists what's it called i don't actually know um look up dylan montana QAnon store and that'll probably show up is this montana appliance owner yes store owner charged in u.s capital breach yeah oh i ain't gonna pay for the mausoleum no matter how many times you ask me <laughs> yeah no not a chance yeah He's no, he's known in Dylan for a mural on the building that houses his appliance store that supports QAnon. Many QAnon followers believe in a base. <laughs> this is from AP, a baseless, convoluted conspiracy <laughs> theory in which Trump is the savior against Democrats running a satanic pedophile ring. Yeah, there's pictures of it here. Um of the interest so okay so it says dylan appliance 
Mm-hmm. Something it has like the people's general. Oh, General, wait, that's General Flynn, three stars, the people's general, what? Oh, oh let's read the It has a lot going on here. Storm has arrived. 1776 with the Punisher Skull, American oh, flag. Yeah. Uh, American flag Punisher Skull. Then there's the part where it's like, we the people over a, like, a sort of a swooping in bald eagle uh, with yeah, then deep state cabal below that. What's the place called? Dillon Appliances Incorporated? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. The guy's name is Hank, apparently. Very Hank. God damn it. Giving this us is, all bad This day. is honestly, this is incredible. Like, like just the, the combination of things in here. It's got <laughs> a mind control right. device. Sheep no more. And it's got sheep, a sheep no more. I love that. I love that like, for him. Oh, he's got a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. Nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Just like the number of things going on here is fascinating. I'm seeing another one that he might, from perhaps a previous version of it, and it's kind of poorly cropped, but it winds up saying gold destroys bed. And then uh, sort of a green Ohio shaped shape, more or less, or maybe like Illinois. And it's like, a big gray Q on that. And it's like, JFK, go investigate QAnon beginning, followed by an ellipsis. I mean, this just like has profoundly cursed vibes in a way that I can only respect. Yeah, I'm just like, I, yeah, I'm getting swept up in this building. I'm just trying to, I'm like trying to work out the logic of, yeah. of this mural and I'm coming up with nothing. Well, I think the problem is... I mean, I'm coming up with a little bit, but it... A picture is worth a thousand words, and there's a lot of pictures, and then you add in the words he also has on there, and it just sort of necessitates, like, a novel-length discussion of whatever the fuck is going on here. It's a lot. I can't read it. The Missoulian wants me to pay $5 for five months in order to read this article. Inhuman. Oh, whoa, the Missoulian has a paywall now? Yeah. When did that this happen? Ad the fuck? this. I'm I've I'm offended by that. I've hit paywalls on them, but that's yeah, if you like. Geez. That's if you like look at too many episodes, too many like articles or whatever. So now I just open everything from yeah. Julian like in an in an incognito window, and that tends to do the job. Dylan um, appliance store. Yeah, uh, I can't see this at all. Go to, go to Google Images. Go over to Google to Google Images. There's, there's a ton there. Yeah, just Google it. Dylan appliance. Yeah. I searched Dylan MT QAnon store and that turned up a lot. The guy's mugshot, he looks like the dad of one of my like basketball teammates when I was like 10. Like he could be the same guy. It's uncanny. But yeah. Somebody wrote a, somebody wrote a uh, review that said something. Let me just see if I can find it. It was about the storm. Okay. They gave the thing a one star review. And this guy said they advertised on the wall that the storm has arrived, but when I went to buy <laughs> one, they didn't have any of them. There was no storm at all. So a little bit of false advertising here at Dylan Appliance. Like yeah. You know what I was thinking about the other day? This is a complete 180. Yeah. Go off. Do y'all remember that guy during the State of the Union address that Obama was giving that one time who yelled, you lie, when talking oh, yeah. about Yeah, yeah. 
Was that he guy was like, like a, he was a Republican from South Carolina. Yeah, what like, happened to him? I don't know, but I was just thinking how cool that was. Like last night. Yeah. That guy was very brave. And that got um, like that got like no attention either. I I feel like that just sort of like happened and it was sort of like kind of passed through the discourse. I feel like I feel like that would not have the same I feel like that would have more sticking power now than it would like eight years ago or whatever that was. No Democrat would ever have the have the confidence to do that to a Republican. No, not a chance. There's not a single there, there's not a single Democrat who would who would ever do that. Yeah. Can you imagine? No, no, no. You remember the, there's the Nancy Pelosi ripping the State of the Union address thing? Yeah. Oh, Trump's? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trump's last one, yeah. <laughs> I guess I spoke too soon. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that was an entirely, like, huge shit show. And then, like, the Dems were, like, trying to say, oh, no, this is fine because your guy did that or something. And it just... Yeah, I like, I, I think there needs to be more disrespect in politics like that. I 100% agree. open and blatant disrespect on the House floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because before before the Civil War happened, I think people got into like fist fights with each other. Brooke Sumter, like, Brooke Sumter. You know, back in like the late 1700s, there were duels between cabinet members, and that shit just doesn't happen anymore. In like 1840 or some shit, this one like pro pro slavery guy literally beat another senator to the point to the brink of death with a cane oh, yeah. on the floor of the Senate during a debate. Because the other guy, I forget which one was the cool one, um, said something that was like mildly anti-slavery. And he just like went ape shit and just like beat the hell out of him. Speaking of which, I remember um, go off. That yeah. for some reason was included in our history textbooks. It was. For the record, yeah. Two Dot People's Radio is an anti-slavery podcast. We don't condone the use of slavery. That's right. That's for right. the record. Yeah. For those listening. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys? Um, go ahead. Nothing. Uh, do, do you are you are you secretly pro-slavery tests <laughs> that's really good like, where are we going with this we're like yeah well, man, i actually we're disrespect in politics I you know, like the have, one time some no. guy beat another guy almost to death with a cane in like 1860 but on a on a more topical cool. note we've kind of seen we're kind of seeing mm. sort of a, a pendulum swing back towards that um because did you guys see the video that dropped of like Marjorie Taylor Taylor Greene, the bad MTG, uh, like before she was a congressperson, like yelling weird shit through the letterbox of AOC's office. No, there's this absolutely. I mean, see, here's deal. the thing, though. If we had that kind of like people beating each other almost to death in our like in the Senate or something today, since it's not all like wealthy white man, the, the, like the people who would get beat to death are like the women and the women of color and stuff. So it's just like, well, shit. That is yeah, but we could have Bernie Sanders fighting Mitch McConnell though. Maybe, maybe what it would be, it would be like a fight club and you can opt in. You can opt into fist fighting on the house floor. The Dems yeah, I, I mean, it would have to be like, yeah, just have a ring. Like nobody's almost dying. Now this would lead to one yeah. thing, which would be that um, John Fetterman, the current like lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, would be immediately nominated for the Senate, and the Republicans would probably would like probably try and bring back Jesse Fingera 
and we would just have like sort of like a, a, a growth in like not a growth in the number of people in the Senate, but sort of a growth in the in the size of the people in the Senate. Just like cool, you have a six seven guy, we have a six seven guy. It'd be like pro wrestling. Yeah. What Which actually about? wouldn't be good for the Democrats because Donald Trump did wrestle in the WWE once and he, he would win. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Like he got dragged into like a whole like evil billionaire versus evil, evil billionaire thing with like Vince McMahon in like the 80s. Vince McMahon got his head shaved during yeah. that. Yeah. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. As we've said before, our masculinity yeah. is FDA approved. It's not toxic. <laughs> it's actually uh, organic GMO fair trade masculinity. This is a liberal podcast. You know? Our vegan masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I forgot to, I was going to say earlier though. So along this line of like elected politicians. So I was at this, I don't even know. It wasn't really a protest. It was like a, demonstration earlier um right near where i live and it was uh it was like a black asian and brown solidarity event and um because was today the day there's this um activist called yuri kochiyama who is like a japanese american and i don't know if she was oh yeah she was born on may 19th anyway a bunch of shit happened on may 19th and it was like celebrating her and stuff and Malcolm X and everything. Cool. And there were the speakers were so good. <laughs> there was this one lady who got up there and she was like, you know, going off about motherfuckers, um, you know, sitting in their offices. And then she was like, she was like, and you got to vote. And I was like, ah, you know, but then it like took the best turn I've ever heard that take. She was like, you got to vote. And you got to vote some motherfucker in. And then when those motherfuckers don't do what they said they're going to do, you got to take those motherfuckers down. It's just like, okay. what a good take. Yeah. One of the best like voting plugs I've ever heard, especially right. in this last yeah. year. The problem is the whole like, like delay. This works much better in a state where you have like recall elections. Like doesn't New York have those? I think they have ranked choice for okay. some of it. <laughs> It's not Pro- the same progress, thing. Progress. That's though. something they have. Yeah, you, you have a prayer, yeah. you have a prayer of taking them down then, as opposed to now where like in Montana, John Tester can keep getting elected for as long as the flat top remains, presumably. I don't know. Like uh, I I, I you know don't what's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Well where was I? I'm now I'm trying to find it. Um there's this guy who we follow on Twitter. Oh, here he is. He had like a, an interview of John Tester. Um, mm-hmm. Let me try to find it really quick because um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you can talk while I try to find this. Yeah. I'm thinking about a scenario where we just start to do like lotteries for elected officials instead of like running campaigns we just select a random person every every term what i what i really want to have come back is ostracism bring back ostracism you know every every year the country like gathers 
put a black rock in the pot if you want them, in the pot of somebody who's nominated if you want them to be ostracized and have to lead political life. Um, and just, you know, I don't know, like 10 people a year just say, okay, you're, 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 you're done from political office for now. And this would ab- like absolutely be hijacked for various nefarious aims, but it would, it would add a certain sort of level of, of, a, of a shakeup to things, perhaps. There should be term limits for every single like office that you run for. Oh. There's no reason that people should be allowed to be mayor for like years and years and years. Dude, French mayors hang on forever. You have no idea. Like, every once in a while, you'll be, like, walking in a French town, and you'll see they named this street after their mayor. And then you look down, it's like, this guy was mayor for, like, 48 fucking years or something. And this is apparently normal. Like, French mayors just sort of appear to be some level of, like, god king or something in every everywhere outside Paris. We're like, so in other words, we found it. Iron Fist. So you found something to us. Yeah, so it's this guy named Chris Latre. Oh, oh, he teaches for the writing collaborative. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in a took a class with him. He led a, a class for free verse. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I found this article that he wrote for this thing. I've never heard of called the culture culture study. Oh, it's that's like a, uh, something yeah. that's based in Missoula. And Helen Peterson's ex Buzzfeed. It's like a Substack. That's okay. Yeah. So I apparently he like he interviewed John Tester for oh, her okay. publication. Nice. And um, I was I just thought it was like a kind of like pretty decent take on John Tester. And um, this is like the intro before he starts the interview so I just wanted to mm-hmm. read a little bit really quick and see what you guys think yeah please do so okay so here it is this is Chris Latre writing it's certain that were it not for United States ten- Senator John Tester the context I'd be writing in and who I am now would be different I say that because without his determined efforts it's unlikely that my people the little shell tribe of Chippewa Indians would be a federally recognized tribe, not yet anyway. I'd be an angry person and the arc of the story I'm telling in my current book project wouldn't have a predetermined happy ending. I want to reiterate here though, that my relationship to this recognition by the feds isn't one of gratitude. It's more along along the lines of it's about fucking time. They didn't give us anything. They recognize they fucked up and this recognition is just the first step in making amends. There's a long way to go and we ain't done with them yet. I feel gratitude toward John Tester though. The first legislation he ever introduced all the way back in 2007 was an effort to secure federal recognition for the tribe, and he continued to do so every Congress since. It culminated in December of 2019 when, as an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, federal recognition arrived for us. Our celebration happened in January 2020, and John Tester was there. Um, What a year. COVID-19 came calling and we're not for a recognition, we would not have received $25 million as part of the CARES Act for a recognized tribe. That allowed us to jumpstart project we would otherwise have taken decades to get off the ground. It is a huge deal. Last fall, Tester's memoir, which I didn't know came out, Grounded, a senator's lessons on winning back rural America was published. I reviewed it for the Missoulian, which you can check out. And I talked about how Tester's the first politician I ever really got behind. Let's see. Not only that, but Grounded is a good book and delivers some quality insight into what Tester the man is really like. He's the best thing happening in Montana politics right now, which I know isn't saying much, 
but still, I love how he's become one of the most recognizable, recognizable people in American politics. When he shows up in the national media, I thump my chest, point and bellow, that's our fucking guy. And while I don't agree with him on everything, I trust him. If Montanans show him we want to be more progressive, he'll lead us there. There's work to be done, which is a point he makes over and over in his book. If we want to take, turn things around, it's a group effort that we'll need to all participate in. Anyway, I just thought it was like a decent take on Tester, uh, particularly the part where he's like, if Montanans show that they want to be more progressive, then Tester's, Tester will do that. Um, I've yeah, straight, I straight up had not heard that about like the about the little shell. Like I was entirely unaware of that. Um, yeah, kudos for that. Um, the recognition, or that the recognition got them cares. That Tester was behind the recognition and well, sort of like helped carry forward the recognition and also the cares act part. I didn't know that they had to be recognized for that. So yeah, all right. I'm grudgingly giving Tester some credit for this. You know. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting because I, I, I do actually kind of agree with him that I think Tester is the most interesting thing happening in Montana politics. Oh yeah, that's right true. Now. That, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's cool too because like he doesn't come from Bozeman or Missoula. Thank God. Like Montana does have Montana can be a blue state. Um, like it does have the seeds for that, and probably yeah. a lot of like. Like Ohio is a red state now, but Ohio has the seeds to be a blue state, as does like Wisconsin and and obviously Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Well, my life is unstable too. So game set match computer. That is, that is boot. Yeah, but like a lot of states can be blue if it's not just like like stupid. I know that that's a really profound <laughs> take there, but yeah, no, you know, it's like, oh take, yeah, like it's take, somebody yeah. who actually doesn't come from some stupid like liberal center, like, mm-hmm. like you know that like Chicago is just gonna like be where Illinois politicians come from, and yeah. like Ohio is just gonna be like Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus, but like Montana actually has somebody who's from like Big Sandy. You know, and it'd be like getting yeah. somebody for Idaho to run as a dem. Well, Idaho is probably never going to go blue. Actually, that's a bad. That's a bad example. What's yeah. a like Arizona? Um, if you're going to take Arizona, somebody from yeah. like yeah, like the Navajo Nation or something, you know, from like Page or Tuba City yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Kathleen Williams. Kathleen who's Williams. She, who's she losing to this time around? Now that there's an extra seat open in the house. Oh, cry. oh, Jesus, I forgot about that. Yep. Run good old cat. Yeah, She's we can back. have two house seats. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know that we've talked a little bit over the past couple weeks just about all of the, like, local Missoula stuff that's been popping off around the mayoral race. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I Like, a lot of the progressives that I see in Missoula are people who moved here from out of state recently, at least the Mm -hmm. young people. Um, And that's not like automatically bad or wrong. I just think it's something very particular that we see a lot. And yeah, yeah, I, (laughs) I like we can go all day and I know I've said this before but it just like it really baffles me why we can't field more people from 
elsewhere in Montana because there are people like Tester and even people who are better than Tester out there, you know? You have senators, like in East Montana, obviously it gets pretty red with the state house. Yeah. Uh, but like there are districts that are like in like Fort Peck that are both a blue senator and a blue uh, representative for the state house yeah. as is there like on the crow reservation there's like a woman who's a democrat yeah like there's democrats in other places than you know the rattlesnake valley <laughs> school <laughs> or something like that mm-hmm. but, like, yeah. too. but interestingly almost all of those places where there are blue like bubbles are where there's either a reservation or where there's like a um large like native population too like up in uh, the hell, yeah, mm-hmm. up, up by Fort Peck, for example, that's like right outside, um, quite close to the little sh- to the little shell, actually. Um, so I mean, I feel like there's like a tension between like where it's just difficult to. I can imagine that some like folks might be a bit reticent to like put themselves on that uh, on that statewide stage, given like the shape of politics in like every county around their county and also half of their county in some cases yeah that's definitely part of the problem it's like we we just like cool okay yeah huh weird that one county's gone blue for like the fifth election and then simultaneously on the other hand like yeah we're not like developing you could use a sports metaphor and say that we're not developing talent well but it seems another thing that i've noticed is that we seem to keep just sort of like oh, cool, you won one representative race. Congratulations, you're now our, like, number two person to, or number one person to run for a fairly major statewide seat because we're just, like, there's this, like, understandable sense of urgency and it's kind of backfiring in that, in that respect, too, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, at least the Democratic Party that I see coming out of Missoula is an incredible turnoff wanting to like if, if if I were ever like interested in you know running for some office in Montana or like local office even yeah um, it certainly does kind of bring in I don't know like the the kids who are poli sci majors at UM and yeah I'm still gonna launch my campaign to run for senator <laughs> So we can we can get a picture of me in East Montana in a field with my arms crossed. Good, good. That'll be cool. I'll be wearing like blue jeans and stuff. Yeah. And the pearl snap button down. Good. Definitely every rally, I'll talk about how I don't like Californians. Now we're gonna ban them. <laughs> so there's an important there's yeah, that'll win you. important ideological question to ask you about this. Are you going to be a shotgun Democrat or a rifle Democrat? I'm I'm gonna do something more powerful. I'm gonna not own a gun, but also support both of them. Support people's first, second amendment. Is that the one? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna not own a gun and be like, I think we should be able to own guns. I actually own two guns that call my arms, bro. <laughs> yep. Tattoo Smith on on one arm and Weston on the other. Yeah, we got uh, open carry on Montana campuses now. I guess I'll be wearing a lot of of tank tops (laughs) for the, uh, (laughs) no matter the the season. Tank top guy. Yeah. 
Wait, so here's another question. This is kind of out of left field, but okay. it was something I was thinking about today because I, I was at that rally thing and they actually had two reverends speak at it, which was kind of out of mm-hmm. the blue. And I was thinking about like, you know, I'm in seminary, so something I think about a lot is what a like religious left or even like ordained people or members of churches could do organizing wise in the West and in places like Montana, because there is, there's a clear framework for it out on the East coast. Yeah. Um, Like there's a precedent and it's something that is, has historically been part of major organizing campaigns is particularly Christianity, but then expanding like into a more like pluralistic kind of like religious traditions and, yeah, like that as part of, and like a spiritual grounding for movements. But I was just thinking like, if you look at the demographics of, of religion in Montana, it's, I mean, it's Christian. And then within Christianity, the largest chunk is like evangelical, non-denominational. Yeah. And then after that, it's, it's Catholic. Um, and then after that, it's really small portion, like proportions of, Muslims. The different, like, there's a lot of Muslims in Montana. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Really small. They're like people who aren't Christian are like a tiny demographic. Like, but like within Christianity, yeah. um, yeah, there's like the the people who like I see around Missoula making a big deal about like liberal Christianity are such a small percentage of what people are in Montana like you know the liberal Lutherans and the UCC and Methodists and whatever and I was just thinking like how could a like more religious left actually be relevant in politics in the west slash could it like if most people are more like evangelical it's not that like there are some people who are kind of like have this interesting combination of evangelical more progressive liberal stuff but it's not like anything i've ever seen modeled i've seen i don't know i I, i've never been to this camp so i can't speak to it but i I do know there are some examples of what kind of has a side effect of this if it might not be the goal of it i'm not sure um but i know that the um the umc the methodists uh they have some kind of like camp system up on flathead lake or whatever and they kind of definitely seem to be there. There's sort of more of like a uh, a more liberal leaning there while it still is a church camp, you know. Um, and I think there's, uh, there's, there's cases of that being like useful to like deprogram people perhaps or sort of give them another route forward from that. Um, and much like any other mass organization, I mean, having that kind of youth wing and sort of like getting to people before they're like before they have two kids and three jobs or whatever uh i, I think that can be important in sort of like imparting a framework that's perhaps more healthy or whatever than like full-on prosperity gospel hosted in a old van store or whatever speaking of appliance stores what is it with appliance stores um but like i i think that there's elements of that where they're like kind of pulling at that slightly but um I think there's it's it's difficult. That's sort of a question of more like 
growing yourself a base rather than pulling a base away from the existing thing, which is, I think, what you're talking about more. And that's just hard to do because you have to... Um, I, I, I feel like the way to get that to happen would be simply to, like, have, like, start getting liberal pastors and stuff hired, but congregations have enough power in the hiring of their pastors and the organizations which are conservative have enough have enough power in that that it's hard to do that hard to make that happen which is kind of one of like the plus sides of like the um all like the insane schism just insane amount of schisms and stuff like that that you see in like the lutherans or the methodists yeah which is like oh okay well i'm gonna get high i'm gonna be a pastor maybe i move to the left maybe i and then I say, hey, I don't, I don't like how the people who are following the Council of Missouri in 1832 or whatever are doing things. We're going to still be Methodist, but we're going to sort of like peel away from that within a sort of a movement sense. And that sort of is a thing that you don't see as much in like evangelical Christianity as much, but in sort of like Great Awakening, the birth of evangelical Christianity, where you sort of first get like the Methodists and the Baptists and stuff like that, there was kind of a history of that being effective. Um, that was effective. Immigrant organizing along religious and ethnic lines was effective in like in Canada and in like Chicago and shit, New York. I mean, yeah, I think you're, I mean, that's my question. Like, I think you're getting at a lot of the important history of like how, of how particularly ethnic and religious work has gone together. But I think particularly in Montana, like, it's just not clear to me, like, like the things you're talking about, hiring, I mean, there, I, you know, I go to a seminary with a lot of people who are going to be liberal pastors and such around the country, and I don't see, and I, I've, I've met those pastors in, in Missoula and such, but, like, they're, their base is so small in Montana yeah, yeah. and it is majority for, I think a lot of those churches, like they're just struggling to figure out where their church is going as they're not getting young people. And like all of their congregants are older, white, wealthier people. Yeah. And they're like struggling to stay relevant with, because of the fact that their base are people who aren't really like the people you're going to build a movement with. And I think that's why so often the reason that religion has been important like in the east is because the people who were going to church are like the poor you know and like are oppressed groups and like they're and that these churches are actually relevant in their lives and i just wonder if that's even the case in montana i don't know alex do you have any thoughts I literally have none. I don't have an answer. (laughs) I'm like, the only thing that I can think of is that people should have gathering places. Like, I liked Henry's comment about the camp and everything, but, like, having gathering places uh, to facilitate that, because, I mean, that'll, like, prevent atomism, and we're already so atomized by, like, being in corona times. Yeah. And and having to gather on a screen. And then, like, also some parts of Montana are so like, you're so distant from your neighbors that like having that place where you can come together, which probably is, I mean, that is like one of the functions of, of churches, but then it's like getting the right politics in a church. I don't know. I say convert everybody to Catholicism. Let's do it. I wonder if one of the strong suits of like 
these eras where there was more of a left wing like presence in organized religion, um, if one of the strong suits in getting that going was that they were like drawing from people who were less stable, drawing from people not just who were poor, but who were like poor and had just moved to the country or who were like um, had just moved out west. Maybe they've moved to Butte from like wherever and they're they're landing in a new community and what is there? It's media organization, but it's a left wing. And this gets dangerously close back to the whole, well, we need to like import, to like fucking truck in 50,000 liberals from like New York. I'm not saying that, um, but yeah. like. I mean, that's seriously people's solutions. But it's like, like can, let's just import a bunch of people from Brooklyn and have them move out here. But your remote workers. In that population growth is already happening. I wonder if there's a way to target that and weaponize that sort of like get people before they fall down like the Reaganite Montana Republican pipeline. Um, I'm not sure how, I, I think that that's probably most easy to do in sort of like an exurb area. Maybe not the flathead, the flathead's too far gone, but maybe like an area that's like just starting to go that way where you kind of have that sort of get that structure rolling um, so that it can kind of, as things ramp up, you can work with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult because I think so many of the people moving to Montana now are already part of the, the Reaganite pipeline. Like they're already yeah, conservative and yeah. wealthy and that's why they're moving here. That's but I, I think, I mean, I think that there's also a lot of interesting stuff here. I mean, honestly, Alex, like your comment about Catholicism, I think that that's the answer. It's yeah, just it, like it that. It's really is. interesting. We, we all know that Protestantism <laughs> is a string from God. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> right after the evangelicals, Catholics are the next demographic. And yeah. especially, and like, I think one of the problems with religion, particularly out West, is that we don't have a lot of, like, the particularly the Christian traditions that arose because of segregation and racial dynamics in the United States. Like what mm -hmm. we did have were more like European immigrants who were like all Catholic or something, and then could like find commonalities through the church as they were all being exploited in the mines or something. And people don't have those ethnic identities that much anymore. So that's kind of dissipated. But a lot of like out East, a lot of churches that arose were like black churches and like alternatives within the Protestant, like from the Protestant tradition yeah. or people who were not like being counted or taken care of in the white churches. And out here, we didn't get much of that aside from like the fact that there's a fair number of like indigenous people who are maybe Catholic or other, yeah. I mean, there are people, indigenous people. Shout out to the too. Salish. But that's another complicated thing is like, it's a complicated relationship for a lot of indigenous yeah. people so it yeah that trying to organize along religious lines is also not clear have we considered there have we considered sort of a return to sort of like 17th century british like crypto catholicism a good crypto catholicism is sort of like i'm not saying like go the priest whole route but maybe sort of like i don't know an, an infiltration strategy of some kind into the regular evangelical ecosystem i don't know Mm. This is not. This is not. I mean, a yeah, that would be my next. I think that's like the if the Catholicism thing doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm qualified. I've got two years of seminary under my belt. I could True. become a pastor right now. True, you could. 
become a nun. Yeah, that's be really into basketball. Women's basketball. You went into men's and women's basketball. Into all the sports. Missing the joke, Alex. No limitations. I, I get it. No limitations. None whatsoever. You get it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that was just like a something I've been thinking about and just a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about organizing in Montana because I see so little of it that feel and like what I've been part of while growing up there and living there has not felt very little of it has felt like populous, you know, it like a lot of it has felt very constructed and very much like of the white upper middle class or something trying to like make justice movements based on what they're seeing elsewhere. And I think there's just like a lot of, I have a lot of questions about how we actually ground it in what like people who are in Montana, who didn't just like move here, <laughs> you know, recently for their second home or something, like yeah. what would actually matter to like people who are poor and, you know, people of color and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people right now in the cities and not to turn everything in Montana into the cities, but in the cities, there's there's a lot of people who are Mm -hmm. like currently fairly newly unstable, who are currently fairly newly kind of realizing just how atomized a Montana city or Montana in general is and how atomizing it is. So I think that there's kind of like a a vacuum to fill or at least a vacuum to contest there at least um and you're probably to expand outside of the cities in sort of like these like kind of like transitioning areas like i don't know three forks or whatever you're probably the folks who are moving into the three forks from bozeman the folks who are moving into sealy or the flathead from missoula not the folks who are moving in from Dallas or from Austin or whatever that's not the target but I feel like there's people who are like these like internal displacements who could be kind of like who could need a community who could need something to kind of like uh, a means to work together who could who could be in need of some way to kind of build something different to stop to stop the wave that hit their original home cities or the the big cities in Montana from kind of washing over them as well. Yeah, there's going to be like that skepticism probably too of like the Californian liberals who like moved to a Bozeman or a Missoula and they like like Kathleen Williams or something, you know, like want that kind of politic. Like it's like, why would you trust the person who moves in and like displaces you? And like, I don't know, like just to kind of, work off of what you're saying like they'll have that life experience that makes like a lukewarm liberal politics skeptical because i think even for every conservative like right-wing red person who moves in like there's probably also like the libs you know yeah honestly if you're from out of montana and you enjoy it there's something seriously wrong with you you're suspicious <laughs> if you're having a great time after moving to montana from out of state i don't trust you 
I mean, even on even on the right, maybe not on the har- on the far right, but even on the right, there's folks who are like who are kind of realizing they've become proletarianized, or who are realizing they've become kind of alienated too during COVID. And you'll you'll see this now and again, like on social media. It's like there's there's an appetite for something that isn't just like, hey, go hang out in the old Walmart and listen to people play bad rock music. There's an appetite for something that's actually like constructive, I think. Although that is a great pastime of middle America going to Walmart. I remember in high school, I used to go and I'd smell the candles with people because there wasn't anything (laughs) else to do. And it was kind of fun. You get a bag of Doritos at the checkout. It was cool. You get the Doritos. But something better than that. Did you get the Doritos yeah, like before there is the candles or after? <laughs> I need them after in the car. I, I just like the Doritos. You know, like the chip companies will always have new. They'll always have like new flavors of flavor dust that they throw on that shit. And it's mm-hmm. it's always exciting. It's got the bright bags and stuff. Definitely, yeah. So I was yeah. eating a lot of Doritos over the weekend. Nice. A lot of them. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of food. It happens. But yeah. You were saying Tess. It does. Do you guys remember there was like a brief moment a year or two ago where Doritos did the extra flavor Dorito? It was like double the seasoning or something. I somehow missed that entirely. Maybe a little vaguely. I have no I don't no see them anymore that. though. Um, Doritos extra, let's see. Yeah, it was... It was Doritos more, yeah, like more seasoning or something. Anyway, I got a couple bags of them and they were better, um, but I don't see them anymore. So I don't know if they already, yeah, extra cool ranch. Interesting. Is the, is the ranch more cool than normal or is there more cool ranch? Because this could just be like, increasingly rad i think i had those yeah oh yeah yeah i think i've had that before or i've got definitely gotten like overly seasoned chips and stuff but that that is something that they need to normalize Mm -hmm. they should do that with flavor blasted goldfish as well (laughs) that would be huge because because cheese it cheese it did something really really awesome when they made the extra toasty cheese it's yeah. They're like, well God. done. That I was I've had cheese it's one time in seven months, you bastard. I've had cheese it's one time in seven months when a friend of a mutual friend of Tess and mine uh, imported in a box of bags of Cheeto uh, of cheese uh, of uh, cheese it's specifically so that we could have them. And I was like, that was now 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 I'm like physically craving cheeses and I, I resent you deeply for this they got cheetos in france though it's not the same it's not the same i think that, yeah from what i remember they're pretty good i mean they're they're fine they're 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 not cheeses man you can't eat like 300 of them man i don't know but those extra toasties are the way to go yeah although it is a little bit too much of a good thing i would say Something really cool is cross-country road trips and you get like the resealable bag of Cheez-Its at the pilot <laughs> yeah, station. Yeah. The mini Oreos. Oh yeah, the mini Oreos is a big yeah. move. 
Yep. Many other yeah, other I remember there. one time being done with a hike and stopping at the it was in like I forget what it was. It was like Trout Creek. It was some fish creek, which is probably there's 50 of those in Montana. But it was yeah, by Superior yeah. and stopping at the pilot station and getting some garlic parmesan Pringles. Those yeah. were those were unreal. They're so good. I want to start a TikTok account, just like reviewing all of the fucked up snacks they have over here. Um, I had something <laughs> last week that I don't, I, I don't think I told you about um, that can be best described as what if cheese, what if Cheetos or peanut butter instead of instead of cheese. Oh God! It was perplexing. That's it was perplexing, but it was kind of good. I don't know how to describe it beyond that but it's like literally peanut butter instead of cheese cheetos and there's aisles Mm. of this shit i i i Mm kind of want to like start inflicting my having having to eat these on other people yeah nobody does junk food better than americans nobody does food better than america That's the one thing America still produces is food. America doesn't make clothing anymore. It doesn't make cars. doesn't make anything. I mean, like medical makes nothing, but we still make food. America does not make food. America makes corn and then makes things out of the corn, many of which are food. Which is pretty cool. Which rules. I support that. Yeah. But I'm not sure it goes so far as to say that America still makes food. California. Yeah. California, Boys. I guess. Yes. I'm so hot. Yeah, I'm really hot too. I wanted to yeah. send in the basement for the last few hours of the day. And I'm hungry. Yeah. And I gotta post things on Depop. Yeah. Hey, I got an Instagram. Oh hell yeah. You got an Instagram? Yeah. Are you gonna follow me? Do you have one? Yeah. It's you should both follow the name me. of my shop. Oh wait, so you mean you don't have a personal one? It's just for your Depop shop? Yeah. Follow our Twitter. Follow the Twitter. And you can put yours on. All right, I'm logging off. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's, it's fucking midnight. Good night, y'all. Good time. Bye. (laughs)